0: Welcome to the Bethel Christian Church message of the week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Eric Capelli. And you know what I love about that word reborn is for you and I. In our own lives, when we were born and we lived our lives, and and, and even in the moments where we didn't know Christ, The second that we came to know Jesus, Jesus refers to that moment as being born again. So God's hope, God's plan became reborn in each and every one of our lives. And so by looking at the life of Joseph, by comparing it to the life of Jesus, and ultimately applying it to each and every one of your lives, we are going to see how a God dream can be reborn and each and every one of your lives. Why do I want this? Well, when I started the sermon series, I said, I can dream a million dreams for each and every one of you, but you need to learn to dream a dream of faith for yourself first. Before we can believe God for our church, before we can believe God for our community, we need to first believe God for the things that he has placed upon our hearts. And there is a reason for that that I've explained throughout the last few weeks, but today I'm going to jump in a little bit more. This phase in the fulfillment of God's plan is always the most crucial. Where I've seen things go wrong with people really is in this phase, the phase of fulfillment. Like I said, the strangest stage in light of the promises of God is the stage of fulfillment. After going through the ringer, feeling like all hope is lost, all of the sudden, out of nowhere, but in God's perfect timing, the God dream is reborn. I want to encourage you today to hold on to the promises that God has given you. I want to encourage you to hold on to the dream that he has given you, because at the moment that God brings it to pass, wonderful things will happen if you just hold on, receive, and believe everything that God has. Now, Joseph originally had had a dream when he was a young teenager. He dreamt that his brothers would bow down before him and We read of the fulfillment of this dream in Genesis chapter 42, verses six and seven and verse nine. I'll read them in a moment. But Joseph has interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh, the highest person in the land. And he interprets this strange dream that the Pharaoh has that no one else can interpret. Pharaoh, he sees these kind of dreams, and one of them has to do with stalks, the other one has to do with cows, And in this dream, what it really is saying is there is going to be a time of abundance in the land of Egypt. And after the time of abundance, a time of famine is going to come. And so Joseph becomes an important person that helps Pharaoh prepare Egypt for the things that are about to come. And so this is a beautiful thing. And as a result of this famine that sweeps through the land, Jacob, Joseph's father, sends his sons from the land of Canaan to Egypt. And this is what ends up happening. It says in Genesis 42, verse 6 through 7, And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Dun, 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 dun. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he disguised himself to them and spoke to them harshly. Verse 9, Joseph remembered the dreams which he had about them and said to them, you are spies, you have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. You've got to love this. What I love about this particular portion of scripture is uh, it just kind of sheds light on um, Joseph, and we're going to talk a little bit about what Joseph went through to get to the place of fulfillment. Joseph was really hurt by the things that he experienced. They made him sad. They grieved him, and when his brothers came to him, he wasn't just going to take them back unreservedly. They had to prove their loyalty. They had to prove their trust. We have sometimes this uh, little misconception in Christianity. We think that forgiveness is really letting people go scot-free. When people have hurt us and they've wounded us, even if God brings to pass the very promises that he's promised in our life, if people who have hurt us want to come back into our life, they have to prove that they are loyal and, to be honest with you, that they are worthy of us. Come on. We act as if believers that we just got to say to everyone, oh, you hurt me, you did this really bad thing to me, come back and eat at the table with me and we're gonna act like nothing ever happened. But Joseph shows us, you can be a blessing, but people, if God has truly worked on their life and on their end of the story, they are gonna show that they are ripe for the forgiveness that you are offering them and the restoration that God is giving. See, Joseph had long forgiven his brothers, But at this point, he was showing and proving if they were loyal. See, along the way, like I said to you, there are going to be people who criticize you about your God dream. There are going to be people that abandon you because of the God dream that he's given you. There are going to be people that get jealous of you and hurt you because of the God dream upon your life. Swindoll, he says the following, just as there are grace killers and joy killers on the loose, So there are also dream killers, and they are notorious for using killer phrases. I like that one. These kind of people, they are afraid of risk. They live their life frightened lives by playing it safe, running scared of being misunderstood. Every major breakthrough comes through hard work and sometimes misunderstanding. I told you in this particular series that not everyone is going to line up to the things that God is doing in your life. But if God has told you these things, God is going to be the one to bring it to fulfillment. And the very people who criticized you are going to be the people who see that the hand and the blessing of God are upon your life. But if you don't move out in faith and you hold back because you're afraid of what people are going to say about you, you are never going to walk in the dream that God has for you. Come on. People are afraid of what everyone thinks about them. Well, what if this person says this? And what if this person says that? And what if this person does or doesn't support me? You know, in all honesty, when I looked at the life of Joseph and When I looked at the life of Jesus and I looked into the things of my own life, I asked myself honestly the question, Pastor Eric, and I don't call myself Pastor Eric, I said, Eric, like why would you ask the people in church to dream? Because dreaming is going to mean in some areas heartache. Dreaming is going to mean severed relationships. Dreaming is going to mean you stepping out in faith, probably getting through situations by the skin of your teeth. Why do I want you to dream? And the reason is this, and it's kind of encapsulated in the words of the famous American poet Langston Hughes. He says the following. He says, hold fast to dreams. For if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams, for when dreams go, life is a barren field, frozen with snow. I don't know about you, but I don't want to end my life as a broken-winged bird. I don't know about you, but I don't want to end my life like a barren field, frozen with snow. When I go out of this life, I am going big or going home. When I go out of this life, I want my legacy, I want my dead bones to speak about the glory and the power of God. If I'm doing it, I'm doing it well. And I want the same for each and every one of you. I want you to leave an undeniable, unmistakable legacy of the power of Christ that flowed through your life while you were alive and well on this earth. So I dare you as a church, I dare you as people, I dare those watching via our live stream to dream, dream, and dream again because it is worth it. When Joseph dared to dream, there were certain positions and places that God brought him to. These have to do with coming to the place of fulfillment. In order to come to the place of fulfillment, one of the first things that God has to do is he brings you to a place of position. Before I talk about this one particular place of position and relate it to the life of Joseph, I want all of us to understand two things. Before God can bring you to a place of position, you need to learn to be faithful with the little. There are so many people, they want to be on the top of the story. They want to be in the fulfillment of their game. But Joseph shows us through his life that he was faithful to his father. He was faithful to Potiphar. He was faithful in prison. He was faithful to Pharaoh. God cannot raise you up unless you learn to be faithful in the little. Can I get an amen on that one? There's another thing that Joseph exhibits in his life. Joseph, he was never trying to climb to the top of the ladder of success. We live in a society that is very success-oriented and success-driven. It kind of says, step over who you need to step over to get to the place you need to be. Manipulate who you need to manipulate to get to the place that you want to be. But see, when I was raised, I was raised with a very interesting principle. My mother always said to me from when I was a little boy, no one and nothing will ever hinder what God is going to do in your life. If God needs to wipe out a whole kingdom because he wants to make you a king, he will do that if it is in his sovereign plan. No one stands between you and the things that God has for you don't ever look at people as an obstacle don't ever look at other people as an enemy don't look at circumstances as a barrier God can and he will fulfill his plan in your life all you have to do is believe that he is able amen so Joseph he firmly believed this After he interprets the dream for Pharaoh, we see in Genesis 41, verses 38 through 41, how Joseph rose to the place of position. Verse 38, it says, Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. Verse 40, You shall be over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And this is the point where I go, wait a minute, hold on, wait a second. This is the Hebrew boy that was tending sheep in the barren land of Canaan. This was the boy who was despised by his brothers. This was the boy who was thrown into a cistern, sold as a slave. This was the boy who was uh, against doing anything wrong, was accused of adultery and thrown into prison. This is the prisoner that was forgotten. And God, in his infinite wisdom and in his sovereignty and in his purposes, he rose up Joseph to the place of position where he became, the second highest in all the land of Egypt. I don't know about you, but when God gives a God dream, he is faithful to complete it. He is faithful to bring you to the place that he has promised for you. Joseph, he did something with that position. See, when we come to the place of fulfillment which leads us to that place of position. God wants you there for a reason. God is placing you there for a reason. Swindoll, he says the following in his book on the life of Joseph, he says, as the years of famine progressed, everyday life as they had once enjoyed it deteriorated. Not unlike the Great Depression years in America, the people began to panic. Their very survival was at stake. At that point, Joseph was given enormous power. He held their lives, their future, in the palm of his hand. After all, Joseph had not only built granaries, but he carried the keys. See, Joseph is showing us through his life that when God is bringing you to a place of position, it is because he trusts you. When God is bringing you to that place, he is bringing you there because he knows and believes that you are going to be a blessing. There's something in that. See, when you believe that it's God's hand that blesses you, you are not looking at other people. You are not looking at other situations. You know that because the hand of God is upon your life, that God has put you in the place that you are for a time, for a purpose, and for a reason. And all you have to do is say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Joseph was willing to be used by God. Joseph was given this great power. You know, in the midst of panic, there are oftentimes moments when things are happening around us, and this particular story talks about the Great Depression. We're, we're, in a, we're coming out of a pandemic, and the pandemic shows people sometimes their priorities. And in order for God to bring you to a place of position, you've got to get beyond the me, 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 me phase. See, when crisis happens, the first thing that mostly everyone thinks about is themselves. Joseph could have thought only about himself but because Joseph had gone through such painful experiences he knew what it was like to be tired he knew what it was like to be lonely he knew what it was like to be accused and to be abandoned and so because Joseph had been all the way down at the bottom he had already been in a crisis that when crisis arose Joseph was full of sympathy and compassion and he was able to move and navigate as a leader because he had already been through the ringer. See, God has prepared a lot of you already in your lives for the crises that are going on in the world around us. Things don't phase me. I've already been through a lot in life. So when the grocery store had less food during the pandemic, I've already eaten less in life. Yeah, when the toilet paper was running out, I've already lived on less in life. Yeah, that didn't shock me. When the car, when it looks like gas is not available, I've wor- I've had to walk back and forth to work without a vehicle. I've walked more than an hour to get to work and wor- walked an hour back home. I know what that's like, so it doesn't faze me. And see, the things that you've been through in life, God is using them to promote you later on. God is using them so that you come to a place of compassion for other people and you're able to raise them up out of their difficulty and their circumstances amen the other thing that Joseph comes to when he comes to this place of fulfillment is he comes to a place of provision you know I believe in the blessings of God not only spiritual blessings but I believe in material blessings I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a moment and the reason why. And I am not a you know, uh, what, what, what do you call that movement? Like a name it, claim it or a prosperity gospel kind of person. But I believe in the blessings of God upon our life. And I believe in them for a reason. I'll get into that in a moment. But let's look at the life of Joseph here and see how God brought Joseph into a place of provision. Genesis 47 verse 11 through 12 says the following. It says, so Joseph's Settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt. And then, hold on to this one. In the best of the land. In the best of the land. In the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had ordered. Verse 12. Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all of his father's household with food according to all their little ones. Joseph became responsible not only for all of Egypt, he was responsible for the 70 people that were represented in the house of Jacob. God brought Joseph and his family to the best of the land. I'm talking Beverly Hills, baby. Yeah, he didn't just bring them to any old neighborhood. He brought them to the best neighborhood in all of Egypt. And this is where I go, wait a minute. You're talking about the herders in the land of Canaan that were just about to die of starvation. God brought them to a place of protection and provision. See, when God blesses you in your life, he is blessing you to make you a blessing to other people. But I want to share a little bit with you about those blessings of God. Let's look at the words of Swindoll right here. And he says, not very many men can carry a full cup without its disturbing their equilibrium. Sudden wealth or promotion can be a tottering experience, both for the recipient and those surrounding him or her. Superiority, inferiority, arrogance, and jealousy can easily begin to hold sway. If you question that, check on those who win the lottery. Very few people can handle financial windfall. It's been proven time and time again that even though people win the lottery after X amount of years, they end up broke again. Do you know why? Because there is something that is real, and it is called a poverty mindset. And a poverty mindset doesn't only apply to financial wealth. A poverty mindset applies to different ways in which we view the world, different ways in which we view other people. Do you know one of the secrets of getting over a poverty mindset is when you genuinely learn to be happy for other people when God is blessing them. Come on. I've experienced so many people, always a comment when God is blessing other people. They get a new car, people say all kinds of things. They get a job promotion, people say things. They get a new home, people say things. Their company does well, people say things about them. Listen, learn to get happy with you. Learn to get blessed for you. Because when you know that the God of the universe is blessing you and he will withhold no good thing from you, you are going to be shouting with joy when your brothers and sisters in Christ are prospering. Why? Why are you going to be happy? Because you don't know what they went through to get to the place that God has them. You don't know the sacrifices they've made. You don't know the tears that they've cried. You don't know the prayers they've prayed and the abandonment that they've felt. So when the Lord reaches in and blesses them, start shouting and blessing the Lord because their blessing is going to lead to a mighty victory. Man, I love this stuff. And I love it because this is how I was raised in my home. I was raised to be genuinely happy for other people. Even when the green-eyed monster tried to rise itself up like it does, we were told, be happy for other people. I experienced a personal moment like this in life. Many years ago when we were living in the city of Amsterdam, we we're in an apartment and we had a really nice apartment but they rezoned the school districts according to postcode and so our oldest son had to go to school but the rezoning would have meant that he would have to go to a pretty bad school and he's a very smart boy so that was problematic my sister and brother-in-law they were also in the same time period they were looking for a home we were looking to see god what are we going to do with the school scenario So my sister and brother-in-law, they happen to live in the town that my wife grew up in, in the Netherlands. And this town is a beautiful town. It originally started off as a farming village and turned into kind of like a yuppie village that's very expensive. There, even to this day, a dilapidated house can cost you a minimum of a half million dollars at this point. So it's quite the town at this point. My brother and sister-in-law were praying for a home to buy in that town. People in our church were saying to them, you're ridiculous. But my sister-in-law said, no, my mother is a single mother. She lives in that town. I want to be close to my mother. I want to be close to our church. This is where I want to raise my children. And everyone kept telling her, you're ridiculous. You're never going to find a home there. It's never going to happen. My sister-in-law said, no, I'm going to keep praying. And so she prayed and she prayed, and all of a sudden, what the town decided to do, and it's a little bit of how the Netherlands worked, in that town, they wanted people who were born and raised there to be able to get a home there that was affordable. So they started a new act where they built houses that were meant to, for, you know, kind of like a lottery system. So my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they sign up, and of all the people to win it, they end up getting a house in that town. And everyone at church was like, I can't believe it. You prayed this and all of a sudden. And then they're jealous of them that they got a house in that town. And I remember with my wife, we were so happy for them. Every time in the building developments of the house when we would visit them, we would go up to the new site where they were building these new homes. And there was a fence in front of it. And we'd look at their house and we were so happy for them. Right before the house was about to be completed, my sister-in-law turned from the fence, she looked at us, and she said, guys, I am praying for you that you one day will also have a house to solve your problem. Come on. See, in her moment of blessing, she was still trying to be a blessing. She knew what situation we were in. And lo and behold, according to God's plan, there was a financial crisis in the Netherlands. All of our friends moved out of the city of Amsterdam, and we were called to pastor up north. We ended up living in a gigantic home on the water that was absolutely marvelous. See, God, he knows what he's up to. He knows what his plan is. And we weren't sitting there jealous of what God was doing in their life. We were happy and rooting for them. Why? Because it was our family. We wanted to see them prosper. See, God wants people to prosper. And he wants you to be happy as he's prospering them. The second place that God, or the third place, I'm sorry, that God had brought Joseph to in this fulfillment was a place of peace. I believe this is one of the most important places for all people to get to. See, without the peace of God, God can bring you to a place of fulfillment. But if you're still bitter in your heart, if you're still resentful, you're never really going to be a true blessing in that. You can have all of the provision. You can have all of the position. I've run into men and women of God and fellow believers who prayed and dreamed things And when it came to pass, it was not fulfilling to them. They said, I've never felt so lonely and empty in all of my life. And the reason is, is because you have to have the peace of God in every circumstance. If you don't have the peace of God in the difficult times, believe me, you're not going to have the peace of God in the good times either. You need God's peace in every circumstance, not just in the bad times. You need it in the good times too. And so Joseph shows us through his life that he was able to maintain the peace of God. See, Joseph tested the loyalty of his brothers. Joseph also showed his brothers that he was deeply hurt and saddened by the things that they had done to him. When he revealed himself to his brothers, the Bible says Joseph cried so loud that all of Pharaoh's household could hear him crying. He was ugly crying. Have you ever ugly cried? I ugly cry from time to time. You don't want to see that. It was so loud, it shows us that sometimes, even coming into the places that God has for us, it doesn't mean it didn't hurt. It doesn't mean it doesn't cause pain. It doesn't mean that people have to re-enter our lives and prove their loyalty again. But what it means is the peace of God needs to flow within us. And so Joseph's father, after Joseph had tested his brother, Joseph's dad, Jacob, he comes down to Egypt. Jacob was somewhat weary of even going into Egypt, but God said to him, It's okay to go. Jacob comes to Egypt and he sees Joseph and they embrace one another. And Jacob ends up blessing Joseph's children and he makes kind of like two half tribes out of them. And Jacob, after he dies, Joseph's brothers get nervous because, see, daddy's gone. Is Joseph going to get revenge on us? They start asking themselves this. And the Bible shows us how Joseph responded. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 through 20. And if you have a Bible, I want you to underline, underline, underline this. Highlight it, underline it, write it. Stick it on your dashboard. Stick it on your mirror. If there's one Bible verse, I want you to remember it's this. But Joseph said to them, to his brothers, do not be afraid. For am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke to them kindly. Come on. The Bible says the following, and out of these words, Swindoll responds to them. He says, Joseph's words here in Genesis 50 provide the finest expression of forgiveness we find anywhere. Outside of the words of Jesus Christ himself, all who wrestle with needless guilt over forgiven sins will benefit from frequent reminders of Joseph's response. See, Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God has turned and used for the good. If you want to get to a place of fulfillment, or I would say of maturity as a Christian, you need to understand that everything in your life, the nasty people, the rotten moments, the evil things that were done to you, that God is crafting those things together to use you as a mighty weapon to destroy the kingdom of the devil and build the kingdom of God. Do you believe that about your life? Because God has not positioned me in Christ to be a victim of my past. God has positioned me in Christ to be a blessing to my family and to all those around me. He took what the enemy meant for evil and he turned it for good. See, when you understand that principle, you can forgive anyone. When you understand that principle, you can walk in the anointing no matter what people say about you. When you understand that principle, you can go through all kinds of circumstances knowing, oh God, you're going to take this and you're going to use it for my good. You can walk through a pandemic saying, God, you're going to take this, you're going to use it for my good. Oh, I lost my job? God, you're going to take it, you're going to use it for my good oh my spouse just left me God you're going to take it and use it for my good my parents they abandoned me God you're going to take it and use it for my good why because his plan and his purposes are way better than what you could ever think ask or imagine see Joseph came to that place of peace I've had to come to this place myself in my own life Many of you know, a few weeks ago, my father had passed away, and that was somewhat of an estranged relationship. Before he passed, we were able to speak with one another. And what my father was really lacking was peace before he died. He had five children, and he did not have peace with any of them except for one of them. And we all offered him that peace. And when I got to talk to him, I offered them that peace. I said, Dad, even though you were unable to give me and to do what was necessary, God has blessed my life. I told him, I love you. I forgive you. I bless you. Really, it's okay. And he was able to die with peace. See, when God brings you to that place of fulfillment, and I'm not making something great out of myself, you have to understand, I am as stubborn as I'll get out sometimes. But I knew that I needed to bless him. I knew that I needed to offer him peace. Someone that inadvertently, not even realizing it sometimes, had hurt me so badly, had hurt our family so badly. But when I looked at him, I saw someone who really was hurting themselves. And to give that peace was to set him free. But in all reality, it set me free too. That's what it does. When you live in that peace, it sets people free, but it sets you free. It sets everything around you free. In closing of this sermon series, I, I do want to end it kind of on a banger, and that has to do with the life of Joseph itself. Even though the plans and purposes of God had come to complete fulfillment, Joseph kept believing God in faith. Joseph kept believing that God was going to do a major work, and the Bible shows us this in his life. See, even when the God dream has come to pass in your life, never stop dreaming, never stop believing, never stop stepping out in faith. What God has begun in your life by faith, let him also complete it by faith. What does Joseph have to tell us about this? Well, the Bible shows us that when Joseph came to finish off his life, he was about to die in Egypt. But there was a promise made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob that God would give him the promised land of Canaan, the land of Israel. And so Joseph comes to die in Egypt, and the following Bible verses show us this progression, Genesis 50, 25. It says, and then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear and say, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up out of here. Joseph dies in Egypt, and his bones are buried there, but in faith, he says to them, you are gonna carry my bones out of here back into the promised land. 480 years pass and we see in Exodus 3.19 as Moses is leading the children of Israel up out of Egypt, it says Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. So there's Moses heading out of the promised land and he is bringing Joseph's bones with him. But it gets even better than that. Because Jacob, as he is conquering the promised land, or I'm sorry, Joshua, as Joshua is conquering the promised land, it says in Joshua 24, 32, and Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in a tract of land. Joseph said, you're going to take my bones out of Egypt. Joseph's bones left with Moses and the children of Israel. Joseph's bones were buried in the promised land land over 500 years after he died. I don't know about you, but I want my bones to speak about what God has done in my life even after I am gone. I want my bones to be like the bones of the prophet Elijah, that when someone threw a dead body on his bones, that person came back to life. See, God is a God of supernatural. He is a God who brings you to a place of position, a place of provision, and a place of peace. And all you have to do is learn that God is taking all things and working them together for good. All you have to do is speak things out like Jesus did on the cross. You know what Jesus said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, they knew what they were doing. But Jesus said, forgive them anyway. That's why Jesus could say to the criminal who was mocking him on the cross, he eventually, the criminal looks at Jesus and he says to him, remember me when you come into your father's kingdom. Jesus said, rest assured, today you will be with me in paradise. See people, God wants to bless you so that you can be like Joseph, that you can be a blessing. God wants to bless you so that you can be like Jesus and be a blessing. And all you need to do is forgive and walk in the promises of God. All you need to do is believe that wherever you walk, God is with you and that grass is green. Even if your neighbor's grass is greener, rejoice because the grass under your feet is the grass that he gave you. Rejoice, rejoice and be glad and thank the Lord for it. Let's stand with one another this morning. If the altar team could make their way to the front, we do want to take a moment and pray for you as we round off this sermon series. I'll pray a general prayer for those that are also watching us via live stream today. But if you are believing God, if you are believing God for your life, that his God dream for you will come to pass, God wants to touch you today. If you've been holding on to things and you know I need to release those, I need to come into a place of peace. If you need to believe that God is going to provide for you and he's going to bless you, maybe you do get a little bit of jelly. Maybe you get a little bit envious of other people, but you need to believe God is going to work out his plan in me. Maybe you need to get to the place where you learn to be faithful in all circumstances, to know that is what's going to rise you up in the kingdom of God. Today we want to pray for you. We want to believe God for the things that Jesus wants to do in your life because you know what? As a pastor, I need you to dream. I need you to dream a dream for yourself, but then I need you to start dreaming with me. So I am looking for some master dreamers and I'm inviting you today, dream with me. Dream with me for the things that God has in store, not only for you, but for all those around you. God is raising you up today. Without further ado, why don't you make your way to the altars? I'm going to begin to pray for those that are watching online. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are able to do more than we could think, ask, or imagine. I pray for those that are here, but also watching via live stream, I pray that your hand would be upon them. Lord, let them see that your plan will come to pass. Anything that the enemy meant for evil, you will turn for the good. The God dream you've given them will come to pass. Lord, we thank you that you are raising men and women up to the place of fulfillment. Lord, let your anointing be upon them today. Let your presence be upon them. Let them know that you are here and that you are able to touch their need and meet it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to come and respond to these altars, come. Men and women of God, come, and let the Lord just begin to work that out in your life today. Don't be ashamed. Don't look at your neighbor, but if you need that blessing, you need that touch, come and get it and let the Lord speak to you today. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. Head to Bethelcc.org to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel Christian Church.